0: You, Prime members, you can listen to three little words ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This podcast is brought to you by Quorn, the nation's favourite meat-free brand. Quorn is a great partner for this show because I personally haven't eaten meat for 35 years, so Quorn has been a great source of protein for me. And every podcast, Tony's going to give us an interesting fact about corn. That's right, John. And I'm calling these interesting quorn facts quacks.
1: <laughs> so here's, here's your first quack. The carbon footprint of corn mince is 90% lower than beef mince. So it's a good choice if you're looking to have a positive impact on the planet.
0: I believe everyone should eat less meat. It'll bring so many benefits both to your health and the environment. And if that's something that you're planning on doing, you'll find that qual is a great option.
2: Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness.
3: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery.
0: Thank you for downloading this episode of Three Little Words. This week, our guest is not only an acclaimed actor who burst onto our scene, I think it's probably fair to say, came to prominence playing DC Ripley or DI Ripley in Luther. That was really the breakout role and since it appeared in many things, Strike Back being one that I've, I'm thinking of the things that I've read, uh, Bug cough. Brilliant. Good cop. Good cop, good cop, bad cop. That's it, I'll have that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Occupation. But he's also, is the first guest I think we've ever had on, who's been a world champion of anything. He both a good uh, idea. Because he's also yeah. a former Thai boxing world champion. That's the right title, isn't it? It's Warren Brown. If I give that the right title, Thai that's, boxing that's, world champion? Yeah, 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 I'll take that.
1: Yeah, and I can vouch for his abilities. because. Uh, so I know, we'll get this up front, so I know Warren improbably. I played Warren's father in much to my disgust in a a Jimmy McGovern thing. So I spent most of that time trying to work out if if it was actually apparently on screen I did look old enough to be his dad and I,
2: I think I was playing younger
1: yeah, you were you were playing down <laughs> yeah. and, and what I'm, is the actual age difference between oh about 6-7 years I is think, it bollocks like <laughs> 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 uh, what are you well you're claiming 42 I can,
2: you? I can I'm, what, I'm about claiming, mid 30s to mid 40s yeah yeah yeah. can you, play but actual and, real <laughs> yeah, yeah, he won't <laughs> tell
4: you. I'm like
1: late 30s <laughs> to <laughs> early 40s yeah. that's yeah. the real he's, age I'll tell you what he is he's claiming 42 but I reckon he's about 45 <laughs> Fifty-eight, and then I can I can give you a quick story to vouch for his fighting prowess because I like to think, I fancy myself when I've got a couple of glasses of red inside me. And Warren and I were filming in uh, Budapest for a couple of years on different shows, and uh, I got a little confident with myself one night with a couple of bottles of red wine and started hitting him on the way to a nightclub. The and that ended, that ended quite badly uh, with a, a knee. To my thigh. I think I warned you a bit. Well, you did like. warn me repeatedly, but I thought our friendship was stronger than <laughs> actually being beaten in the street. But, oh, but, you, but
0: let's let's clarify. You started it. I, I, I oh no,
1: playf- No, John, I playfully, as mates often do, said, "Come on, let's have a bit of a fight." Push. Yeah, you yeah. Something. No,
0: no, mates do that when they're about eight.
1: or you've had two bottles of red wine. They're the two. They're the two things. So yeah, I did uh, playfully, and he need me. And I can't... The pain of, of that was... It was the most exquisite pain I think I've ever felt because at first I thought, oh, I've got away with it. That didn't hurt that much. It's not that bad. And the following morning, I was considering ringing an ambulance <laughs> because my thigh was double its size. Well, it kind of,
2: don't, Tony. Don't, Tony. No. Please, Tony. So, don't, Tony. So I and can't, then...
1: Yeah. Well, I was just playing Anyway, so was I, I was that, that, I like playing. To, I like to think that that's behind us now, Warren. It is. And if there's anybody going to get hit today, it's going to be John. I'll, I'll take that.
0: So listen, Warren, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. We were, When we walked in, I forgot that we played in a charity game up in uh, Glasgow a few years ago, because when Tony said that you were doing it, I was made up, because I said, "Oh, yeah. I've been dying to meet him. <laughs> you, yeah. you said we well, it was funny, because the <laughs>
2: first time we did meet, you said, and I remember it very clearly, it's become a weird thing, and I'll... So you said, oh, Warren, I was talking with Mark Womack the other day. You come with a very big reputation. So that was a thing at Compton. Now, anytime we ever see you on TV or something happens, it's like, oh, you come with a big reputation. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) I was talking with Mark Womack the other day. And actually, I was talking to Mark Womack just yesterday. (laughs) Uh, A big reputation for what? Obviously know. not big enough. I
0: don't, I don't know what <laughs> no, I, no idea. So I No, I think it was because when I was talking before, before we started, uh, of, of somebody talking about trying to get you in a film, a big reputation as an actor, not uh, not necessarily the uh, Thai boxing thing. The Thai boxing thing, I've only found out more recently, but it was more because there was also a, a talk about... That's right, actually. There was a talk when I was... Uh, around those circles in Liverpool, about somebody doing a, a, a film about cage fighting and they wanted you in it, your name got mentioned with that. But it was just that, the Mark, who I, who I did a film with, a Ken Lodge film, uh, I, I was just, I remember talking to him about not being a trained actor and getting into acting and liking it and enjoying it. And he used you as a reference point for other people who were just, better than you would imagine they would be so that's what I meant by that but now that we've touched on it you are known to more people as an actor than obviously as a athlete or a a Thai boxer when did the transition happen?
2: Uh, So I started Thai boxing when I was about 15 and uh, I guess I'd retired by the time I was 25 and then at 25 I'd kind of made this mad decision to try acting and it was completely by accident you know I'd, I'd kind of trained professionally and fought around the world and travelled around and then uh, was always like, right, I need to get a proper job at some point. And then uh, it just kind of come along out of nowhere. So again, you know, n- not being trained at all and completely by accident and thinking, oh God, this is like completely not anything that I've done. But it was only like much after the fact that I could look back and go, actually, when I thought, shit, this is completely separate. Yeah. Yes, I didn't have a kind of formal training but there were so many things that I had from Thai boxing that I actually oh, was yeah. like oh that's actually an example. well just like the the, I remember doing uh, the very first bit of theatre I did we did a play at the um, at the comedy store and it was a play that my mate had written and it was just like two people on stage it was all about speed dating and it was in the um, comedy festival in Manchester and uh, I remember waking up in the morning and going oh god we're, yeah. we're doing the play tonight it's the first thing I've, I've, I'd kind of done and it was the same feeling as waking up going, Gonna fight. I'm fighting tonight. And then you get to the sports arena or you get to the, the theatre and it was like, fuck, it's the same, the same feeling. And then the audience start coming in and the crowd. Yeah. And it was like, this is the same to the point that when we were like, "All right, we're all going to do a warm up now," and at the, I didn't know what what an acting warm up was at that point. So I'm in the King corner, shadow boxing, going right, <laughs> come on. So uh, then, and then to even even to yeah. that, to then Ready going to on to stage, fight the audience yeah, when they asking for the money back. Yeah, but then yeah. even coming off stage and having that massive adrenaline rush yeah. was exactly the same yeah. as fighting. So there was so many like kind of parallels. Don't have
0: an accident, acting. Yeah, not you an don't just, just happen
2: huge. upon that, right? You must have had some. Uh, well, how it came about, so basically I'd been kind of doing it for years, won a couple of world titles, defended it, defended them both a couple of times, um, like I say, you're not, you're not making a sustainable living, no. but you don't do that, you don't do it for the money, I got you know, to travel the world, I got to achieve some things that I can be proud of and go, you know, I, I did on, this, yeah. um, and then we were training in Manchester at the time, and we used to go on a Friday night after training, a load of the fighters, to this sauna, straight after training. And you was, sure you
1: want to tell these story? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, there's a lot of fellas in this disorder yeah, yeah. from yeah, all walks of life. Right. And uh, there was a fella in there that was like a professional extra. Um, and that's what he did like all the time. So, I was like chatting away with no views to acting. So, I thought I might have a, have a go at that. Just again, not with a view to acting. And I went away to Finland to fight. And I came back from Finland and my face was all smashed in. I had stitches in my eye, all my face was bust. And I was like, shit, I'm not going to be able to do this thing that I'd signed up to do. So I rang them up and I was like, listen, I've just come back. I've been fighting, not scrap it, you know, professional. Mm-hmm. Said, I've got a black eye and stitches. Like, they went, oh, no, 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 you won't be able to do TV on that. So I'm like, all right, that's not going to happen. About 20 minutes later, the phone goes and it's the same extras agency again. They said, actually, <laughs> the same, uh, doctors. He said, yeah, go, yeah, go to yeah, go to yeah, Pebble yeah. Mill, go to Birmingham. Wow. So I drove down there, got on this, on this set. Shitting myself, not knowing what I'm gonna do, and everyone's like, Listen, you just sit in the back, you don't do anything, you don't say anything. Yeah. That's it. So I said, like, All right, sat there. They come out to like pick who they want next, and someone's gone, Oh, brilliant, look at yeah, great, you, come on. So I go through and they're like literally had to just walk down some stairs as the then the actors did the scene. And as we did this, the actress and I've kind of since seen her years and years ago, and was like, This is this is your fault now. Um as we walk downstairs, this actress Ad libbed and was like, "Next time, be more careful." So I was like, oh, will, thank you." Walked out. Bang. They carried on the scene. Then <laughs> they cut it. They was like, "What was he saying?" And I was like, "Oh shit! Sorry, I shouldn't." He went, "No, no, no. Speak up a bit." And I did get giddy. And that's like, the, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm saying something." Weird. But all, actually, the reality of it was being on a TV set for the first time yeah. and going, "It's not two people in a scene. It's hundreds and hundreds of people." Mm. And literally, it was like. That very first day of it, something just went bang. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Summit back. And obviously it wasn't at that point you go, right, I'm going to be an actor. But Summit summit clicked. And then carried on doing extra work. And I'd be like ringing in sick for work if they'd rung up with a job. Because I was like, oh, I want to do it. Often, you know, they'd be like, you do one scene, right? Everyone can go home, but we need one person to stay. And everyone's like, oh, I'll take the 100 quid and I'll go home. And I was like, I'll stay. Because I was like, I was buzzing off being on a set. And then started an acting class one day a week in Manchester. Got spotted at this class, asked to audition for Shameless, and then that that was like my first ever like speaking thing as uh, in in the first series of Shameless. And it kind of just snowballed from there.
1: Are you ambitious? Do you you, uh, actors often struggle with this question? They often Mm. deflect it because I think that people are embarrassed by it. But are you? Do you regard yourself as ambitious?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's funny because really early doors and getting like the odd little line here and being scroat or you know being a scally and that was it and it was like all right I'll just these are good I'll just be doing this and uh i remember even me nan saying oh what, when are you going to play one of the goodies because uh-huh. it was always like scally's and i remember doing a a crime watch reconstruction still extra work and i was like hey, I'm the victim of the bank robbery. I'm, I'm the goody. <laughs> 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 You've yeah, yeah, got turned over outside the bank now. Yeah, until until six months later, when it was Crown Watch revisited, it turns out the guy in the bank was in on the robbery, so I was still a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, oh, you, you know, I kept, used to put kind of a lid on it and go, oh, well, you can only do this. And it was like, oh, well, I can't. And then then you slowly, you know, you put more into it and things happen and then you and you're like, you're a semi-regular in some You're like, oh, bloody hell. All right, well, I'll just, I'll be happy here. You know, this is the thing. Mm. And then you get a regular and something like, oh, well, oh, God, well, I can't, you know, I best not look out there. Uh, you know, I'll never have my own show. I'll never. And then you're kind of stopping yourself from it, aren't you?
1: Well, they're right. Like, well, you. T- I mean, I, I, it did occur to me before uh, when we invited you on. You two, actually, have had a very you had a similar life trajectory. Yeah, and I, and I'm you're dead also, as well. No, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, the only way to find out who I like most would be... Fine! It's all yeah. right,
0: you're like Warren. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's your um, story today, Warren. Can I ask you now to give us the first of your three little words? Imposter.
4: Imposter.
1: Ooh. So what happens is, okay. if you've not listened to the show before, is I'll give a quick definition and a quick idea about the etymology of the word and a couple of quotes. So the definition of an imposter is a person who pretends to be somebody else in order to deceive others. The modern definition dates back to the 1580s, where it means a swindler or a cheat. And the etymology, as is often the case, is uh, threnched down through to Latin, to imposter, a deceiver, and a couple of quotes that I've got. A lovely one from Picasso said that the people who make art their business are mostly imposters. Uh, A sentiment I agree with through personal experience. And then Thomas Jefferson says, he who claims to be sure of something for which there is no evidence is a fool. And he who acts on the basis of what cannot be proved is an imposter. So, Warren Brown, why did you choose imposter?
2: Well, I guess we would sort of lead into it then, you know, talking about how I got into it. And, uh, you know, bloody hell, even when I got asked to come on here, you know, I know we're mates and I'd listen to the podcast and love the podcast. But then when you rang, on the, Warren, will you do podcast? I'm like, what the, you know, why do I? That was Warren did, acting did, then. Did Freddie, <laughs> did, did Freddie Truman ring you from <laughs> beyond the grave? Yeah. But then I'm like, you know, I've listened to it and I go, hang on, you've had all these people on. You've had, I've just listened to Paddy Contadine, who's one of my acting heroes, and you want no. That's this is this is not right. And I guess as I was talking earlier, you know, about first starting out and going, oh well, I can't do this, and it's actually the only person stopping yourself is yourself. So yes, very ambitious, but I think I've learned, you know, from going, oh, you can't do this, and then you can't, and then actually to go, well, if you don't put a limit on yourself, then there's no. There's no limits to what you can there do. There is a
0: difficulty in that, though, isn't there? Because because life sometimes puts a limit on you. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, 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 you find yourself hitting the ceiling that you've got to find your way around. And, and I think, you know, we've all probably felt that imposter syndrome that you get when you, you're you doing something that you weren't born to. And mm. I think then what happens is you, you you end up challenging your ability against your situation. And that's the that's the difficulty. When you said the word imposter and you get used to it and you think, it's all right, I'm no longer an imposter, I can do this. You've got to have the ability to do it. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes part of the imposter syndrome. You keep on almost telling yourself that you're quite lucky that you can do it rather than say, you know why I can do it? Because yeah. I'm good at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason I'm getting the thing.
1: I think the, the danger is that you feed into that narrative That you keep that narrative going where you, you, despite what the universe is telling you, you're still regarding yourself as an imposter. And there there has to come a point in your career where you've had enough paychecks from enough people Mm. to understand that that's not the case. But it's hard to shake.
2: Well, you know, first coming down to London and having an agent saying, oh, you're going to need to change your accent. Mm. Uh, Or like... And and you can it comes in waves, doesn't it? Because sometimes I'm like, no, I deserve to be here. I've, I've worked my arse off. I know I know I can do my job, but then you still think, what am I? What am I doing? What am I doing on, on this? What what? How am I? Yeah. You know, I've spent three years flying around in bloody helicopters and blowing stuff up and doing and having like, the best and going. How, how have I ended up here? Mm. I think it's just because it's that what's what's supposedly accepted of you, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's also. You?
0: you've got to use the world that you're in as, as your reflection. Instead of looking in the mirror and looking back at yourself, you've got to look and go, actually, I'm what I see rather than yeah. what I think I see. No,
2: yeah.
0: And yeah. I think that is that is sometimes quite challenging to do. Is if So if you reach the point where
2: you still feel an imposter... I think, like I say, it comes in waves because sometimes you're like, absolutely, put that to bed. Put it to, you know, get out. Yes, you deserve to be here. No, but also, I, also I, you know, I, the irony is not lost that making a living of being an imposter, of pretending to be someone that not, yeah, I was, you know. Yeah,
0: I was going to say that, That was I was just going to make that point that when you said someone brought you down and said, can you change your accent to get representation yeah. and to get a chance. I mean, I've, uh,
2: I've had it doing do it like occasional voiceovers and you go in and you get the job and they've booked you and you go in and they go, all right, uh, can you do it a little bit less northern? And you just kind of go with it. But I, I've, I've said once, do you know who's less Northern? The guy next to me on the website that was not from the North <laughs> when you picked yeah. northern. northern. Do you know what I mean? What a
0: Northern friendly voice. Yeah, yeah but you be a little less like that. Yeah. There's another part
1: to the imposter word, Warren, just before we move on, it just occurred to me then. The other side of that, of course, is so when you're on set, you can feel, or amongst your peers, you can feel an imposture. And you said even coming on this show, you have that feeling... Do you also find, decided, particularly as a young man, that you then feel an imposter almost back in your own environment? So you're not you're neither fish nor fowl. So that when you're back, so that when you're back home, people project. Yeah. So so who do you think you are? Yeah. When you're back home, yeah. and here he is. It's that. So you, you do if you do, if you do step into another world, you do find yourself living in a in a strange sort of hinterworld where you've got a foot in both worlds but actually don't really belong in either yeah you, you well see? that's
2: you know I was growing up in Warrington my, my family is still in Warrington some of my best mates are still in Warrington I, I remember even moving to Manchester for a bit and, and not everyone and certainly not people that you care about but go oh you're going to Manchester right? oh too yeah. good and you, and I'm like, I'm 20 minutes up the bloody M62 <laughs> yeah. then Flash. kind of doing this and then going right then moving to London and going right I'll try six months and then I've kind of didn't go home and that's like 10-11 years so yeah, I've heard that. I've gone, oh he lives in London. Yeah. But one of my best mates, my oldest best mate from school is like in Warrington, lives in the area that we grew up, you know, their kids are gonna go some of my mates' kids go to the schools that we went to and I'm like, listen, that's that's amazing. You've got yeah. a routine, you've got your security, yeah. you know what you're doing. Yeah. It wasn't for me, I love Warrington, that's where I'm from. am so proud to be from there. But in this the route I've fell into, I couldn't really stay there, I had to come to London and sure. then now I'm actually not even in London a lot, you know, at the minute. Yeah. Now, I don't knock them about going, oh, you want to stay in Warrington. But then at the same time, if I don't want to do that and I want to go out and, and you know, England's a big place. The bloody world's a big place to get to see it. And uh, like I say, the people that you actually care about their opinions really? are like, well, yeah, you do you. But, yeah, yeah. But, yeah you, do, you do certainly see that. Do not
1: you here? get negativity? Would you? I, I mean, I've... I've... <sighs> I've spoken to you on the phone a couple of times. Uh, when you've been in Warrington, uh, people have hailed you in the street. I've heard people shouting, and I know it was right. So, d- do you get that? Do you get positive responses, or do you get do you get a
2: mixed? Difference? Oh man! I mean, listen. If people people have seen you work, and I guess when I was tie boxing in Warrington, I was kind of quite yeah, known yeah, for yeah, that. Right. Uh, won Warrington sports personality a couple of times. Yeah. I was up for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you, you know, you get that, and I'm sure you, people, both of you two are, are, will have had that. Now, that's great. If people have seen your work and they like it, that's that's amazing, but that's not kind of something that you get into it for. No. Because I've heard, you know, people oh, you must love being famous. It's like...
1: Well, it's that, sword, fa- right? yeah,
2: for sure. I don't consider myself famous, and that's all, you know, relative. But, no, that's not kind of what I'm chasing. I'm chasing, actually being able to get up in the morning and not dread going, loving getting yeah. up and going to work, because so many people that, that you know don't. And, oh, if you've that achieved that, that, that's, that's enough. Oh, yeah, you've won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won. yeah. You found a job that you love, you've won. So, listen, that's a brilliant first word. imposter. What, what, what's your second word? My second word is paranoia. Right, I'm going to, no. I've just said this to Warren. Oh, somewhere. no, said, no. Said, What's I, that? I,
1: Well, okay. Well, I said to him outside, he's actually top every other guest that we've had on because he's the only person that's to brought a word in that I don't know and have never used and never heard of. So, paranoia. I think its legitimacy is a bit doubtful, but anyway. <laughs> but the the definition. It it's a term used to describe a state of mind that is the opposite of paranoia. And it was first used in 1982. I'm sure you know this, Warren, by Dr. Fred H. Goldner. And this is a description of what paranoia is. Pranoia is a positive counterpart of paranoia. It is a delusion that others think well of you. Actions and the products of one's efforts are thought to be well-received and praised by others. Mere acquaintances are thought to be close friends. Politeness and the exchange of pleasantries are taken as expressions of deep attachment and the promise of future support. Pranoia appears rooted in the social complexity and cultural ambiguity of our lives. We have become increasingly dependent on the opinions of others based on uncertain criteria. So it's essentially... The opposite of paranoia and the belief that the world's out to help you. Yeah. Wow. Wow.
0: <laughs>
1: wow. So Some why... people will call that optimism. a uh, like delusion, is what I, I, I call <laughs> it. Delusion optimism. Madness. What a great yeah, word. We're throwing it into the <laughs> where,
0: where, where did that come from? Um
2: so about four years ago, about the time when I was in Budapest the same time as Tony, I'd spent three years on on a Canadian World War II show about spies. And that was coming to an end. Been an amazing job. Met some wonderful people from all over the world. And uh, it's coming towards the end. So then uh, auditions start coming in for like, you know, when you finish. I got to do a self-tape for a job and got a job. I'm like, brilliant. I finished this and I've got a job when I come back. Amazing. Then my agent calls uh, and says, oh, I've got another tape for it. I'm like, what? I've got a job. Like what? And she went, the reboot in Strike Back. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. And at that point... You know, when I first started, I didn't really come into acting, going, "Oh, by the way, I used to be, uh, you know, this that," because I was starting from scratch and I wanted to learn the craft and try and get away with being able to call myself an actor. So I didn't really. People knew about it, and I didn't shy away from it if I got asked. But I wanted to learn acting, you know. And then when this job came up, on like, right, I've got a a good. I feel like I've got I've done some you know good quality drama, and this is I know exactly what it is. It's high high octane bloody action. It's it's. Some of it is unrealistic, but you know, it's that is the first time I actually went. You know what? This is going to help me get that job because we did ninety, ninety-five percent of our own stunts, all the fights and stuff. As as much as we wanted to do, they they would let you do. So that was like the first job. So anyway, I'm I'm filming a uh, a season and we're, we're we're about to finish this job and I've had to send a self tape in and it's come back. They've gone right, great. Now you've made it to the next round. Uh, they, need, they need to see you in London. And I'm like, I'm filming. How, am I, how is this going to work? The day that they wanted to see me just happened to be on the schedule. I was off. So they went, yeah, you can go. Went off. Then that round went. And it was like a, such a big process because they had people from all over the world coming in. we were trying to get them in. And then we're like, right, we've got three days that we need to see you for a chemistry. And I'm like, this just is not going to. How is it? And it worked again. And it was actually a producer on this Canadian show, Canadian producer, and at the time I was saying to him, "Listen, I need and they weren't changing it. It just kind of all fell into place, and he said, "Have you ever heard of the word pranoia?" And I was like, "No, and it was that that it's oh. the the belief that the world is conspiring in your favor, and it just kept falling that and then so that worked out so that was my how I very first heard about the word, but then I kind of stepped out of that, and I'm like, I can actually see where pranoia has as kind of affecting my life in so many other little mm. bits you know even getting that job mm. there was an instance right at the beginning when I first started doing extra work and I did this um there was a show that Russell T Davis did with Chris Eccleston called The Second Coming where it was like modern day second yeah. coming and it was uh, I was doing extra work and it was like two days at Man City's old stadium so we go down there and at this point I'm like I've done a couple of extra jobs I'm like thinking about it I get chatting to a lad because a lot some extras want to Pursue acting, some are just there and that's they're happy with it. Got chatting with this lad and he's like, Yeah, you need to do a classical piece and a contemporary piece and audition and go to drama school. And that's the way you've got to do it. So I'm like, All right. Next day, I bumped into this lad again out of like hundreds of extras and he went, Oh, mate, yeah. And he gave me a book. He gave me Coriolanus. He said, That's what I use for my mm-hmm. drama school audition. Mm-hmm. I said, All right, brilliant. Thanks very much. Put it in my bag, never ever looked at it, put it in a box. Carried on kind of doing bits of extra work. Started this acting class, got my first job. Also met a, a girl in this acting class who were quite fancied, and we'd all go to the pub afterwards, started going out with this girl. This timeline's a little bit all over. So then I end up going, not going to drama school, going to uni. One weekend, I go back to Warrington. And,
0: uh, going to uni to do
2: what? Uh, performing arts. So for me, it was like, right, you need to do drama school. London wasn't an option, couldn't Marcus, afford it, right. didn't really want to move, so I went to Salford Uni yeah, to do performing yeah. arts. Yeah with the view that that's not drama school, but I'm kind of still yeah, on, yeah. on that path. There's
1: good people <clears throat> there, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I go home to Warrington, and I'm in my old room, and I find this box of books. It was like a mate of mine flirted with the idea of acting, and he gave me some plays. So I found these books, and I also found Coriolanus that this lad had given me, like, a year and a bit ago. And I opened this book, and in the middle, he's left a photograph in it, he didn't check it. So I'm like, oh, that's, that's the lad. Carried on flicking, and I got to the back of the book, and there was a handwritten letter to the lad that gave me the book. And as I started reading it, I'm like, "No, this is not possible. This is not impossible. What? What?" And reading it, it's like, "Dear such and such, it's been great working with this all the bit." And I'm like, "I know this. This is this is not possible." I get to the bottom, and it says, "Lots of love," and it's the girl that I was going out with at the time. So to put it into context, wow. I was given a book by someone who could have gone, oh, yeah, it is, oh, hang on a minute, and then just put something in his pocket, having clocked it. He didn't clock it. He gave me this book, and inside this book, there was a handwritten letter from a girl that I hadn't met yet that I would then meet and start going out with. Is this from Doctor Who? You no, mate. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, it'd be an amazing story if I would go, and that's how I met your mother. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not. But, yeah, never you know, just mom. just that to go, oh, you kind of going.
0: So did you say to her, I've got this letter
2: yeah. that you wrote
0: to and this What's going
2: on with this kid? Well, so so obviously this well, the, the time difference. Yeah. Uh, but I then, yeah, because I had the photograph, I went, I said, do you know this lad? She was like, yeah, I was at like, drama college with him. And I went, listen, I know the answer to this, but that's your writing, isn't it? And she was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," wow. but that just blew my mind a little bit yes, that I had. Yeah, so it felt like. But it, but was... it
0: also, it also, there's a bit there like that lad, whoever he is, I don't even know his name. or want to say. There's a bit where everyone's wanting you to do well. He's given you a book, he wants you to do well. Yeah. She, she's obviously feeding yeah. um, positivity towards him that he's yeah. passed on yeah. to you. And then she's got. There's, and there's a, an, an, el, an element where you can say the world's helping you. It but but this comes down to how do you pronounce the word again? Pranoia. The, the, the pranoia. Pranoia being the goodwill of everyone towards someone else. That's what I mean by by contributing towards it. You're a recipient of what you can also contribute to.
1: Yeah. Fantastic word, and uh, uh, and thanks because you are. I think we've done what twenty two, twenty three yeah. shows, three words. So we've had sixty odd words, and you've you'll be dropping that tonight in a conversation. Nice,
2: I feel a little bit less of an imposter
1: tonight in, today, in my <laughs> in my empty flat to myself. <laughs> so your third and final word, Warren Brown, is. Osmosis. Now, oh. what's interesting about this word is <laughs> <laughs> that I have a real strong suspicion that it might not mean what you think it means. However, we'll see. I know how it's commonly used. So the definition of osmosis is a spontaneous passage of liquid through a semi-permeable membrane. And then a couple of quotes that actually reflect how we use the word in common parlance. Stephen King says... And when there are enough outsiders together in one place, a mystic osmosis takes place and you're inside, which is a lovely quote. And then one from Joni Mitchell, which I like very much. I've learned from two things, admiration and osmosis. Why did you pick osmosis?
2: So osmosis is, is one of the only things I remembered from school and in my kind of ad hoc remembering it is it's the movement of particles from an area of low concentration to an area of high concentration via a semi-permeable membrane
0: hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices
4: due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door go to bluenile.com and use promo code audio to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more that's code audio at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase bluenile.com code audio
2: and the reason he oh, <laughs> oh, what <laughs> what? What's
4: wrong with that? what I don't know, I don't know. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Is it membrane? No, I've just I've known him for years and I've never heard him speak that way. What it's, way? It's, it's usually been getting a glass of
2: wine. <laughs> <laughs> it was just beautiful. I'm sorry. So I don't know why it tickled me. I'm sorry. But the reason why, oh. so when I, when we were fighting, uh, so obviously you've got to make weight, and nowadays you know it's so much stricter and people are so much better. Right? But we didn't really know anything. We, we, our nutrition was rubbish. You know, you would just our kind nutrition. of watch what you ate or. You know, you go in a sauna, and for the, and people still do it now, and it's dangerous, essentially dehydrating yourself or, you know, going in a sauna, losing fluid out your body. to Just right. make yourself, yeah, as yeah. light as possible. Yes. So you would do that by ever being in a sauna or... Our coach, I don't know wherever he got it from, I think jockeys may have done it, but basically you would get in a hot bath mm-hmm. and your low concentration would be your body. Yeah. The semi-permeable membrane is your skin, and you would pour... Loads of salt into the bath, making that an area of high concentration, and it would essentially suck the water out of your body. Still happens. Now it's really it. It's really hard going. You've got to be fit to do it. It puts loads of pressure. It's fucking dangerous. Like yeah, yeah, your your heart races and it's quite dangerous. But if you're fit and you know, but people would do that. You go all right. You've got three kilos to lose. Right, bang three kilos in the bath. get in the bath twenty minute in, and you know, keep checking. But it would, it would yeah, suck the water out yeah, of you. Yeah. You'd make the weight, and then you try and rehydrate and get back up. So you always end up fighting heavier than what you weighed in the day before. There was a geezer in our gym, a fella called Budgie. Not not the hardest nails. Not not the brightest. You'd right. have to be if you were called Budgie. Budgie, right? yeah. yeah. He, he once had a, had a fight, and his his uh, opponent was was called Squirrel. I'm, like, I'm, not, <laughs> Who I'm, won? Not, I'm not making this. Who won? Budgie won. Good Budgie. it is. he <laughs> squirrel, squirrel got a right eye. But he uh he went to Japan once tremendous. to fight, and it was like a big old thing, and like over there they were treated like superstars, and he mm. was talking about getting off the plane and just absolutely getting mobbed. so he's you know they've done a long flight, he's retained water he's got got to the airport, uh, got to the hotel, checked his weight, he's like, oh god I've, I've, I need to I need to lose the weight, like the weighing's in a bit." So they go out in Japan and they buy a big massive bag of salt. Get back to the hotel. He goes, right, run the water, get in the bath, boiling up water. Goes in, 20 minutes, and it's hard. You're, you're like, oh, I've got to get out. It is boiling up, right? As hot as you can stand it. As hot as you can stand it. Yeah. He's like, oh, God. And he's like, stay in there. Our oh, mate, He was, he was the, the trainer that was with him, He's like, stay in, stay in. Right, 20 minutes, get out on the scales. Gets out, nothing. Oh, you've got to get, what, you joke. Get back in, boom, back in, 20 minutes. Oh, I've got to, I can't do it. It's fucking... Stay in, stay in, gets out. Gets on the scales, Nothing. It's like, what's go? This work way- every time. This work, way- get back in one last thing. He's like, oh, God. he ends up doing an hour in this bath. He's no. like I can't, what, I can't do it. Gets on nothing. Our mate goes over, puts his hand in the bath, goes like, that. "Fucking sugar!" <laughs> <laughs> he got out in Japan and bought a massive bag of sugar. Yeah. So that was kind of how I heard of it, and and the kind of reference of, of knowing a little bit of it. But then again, it comes back to on a bigger level. I feel like. Kind of being in certain environments, mm-hmm. and and I guess kind of my thing of being acting and going, oh, I didn't train, and I've kind of learned by just being surrounded in that thing. Yes. I guess that's been maybe
1: simulated re- into. No, yeah, I, I completely. Get
2: that's maybe said. reverse osmosis, though, isn't yeah, it? Or yeah, re-
1: the reverse osmosis. Unless if
2: you want to take it in, there yeah. you go, yes. there you go. If you want to take it in, then that's higher concentration. Yes. And you kind of yeah. learn by osmosis. But,
0: but it's interesting because you, the the way your words have been structured, there's one word that sort of says. You're an outsider. The next word that says you've been lucky to be surrounded by positive people, in who, who, who are by default seemingly to help you along the way, and then your third word is saying that when you're there and you're surrounded by that environment, you suck it in as much as you can, yeah, because that's what feeds you as a person to move on to the next step.
1: There's a natural thing in fighters. There's, you know better than me, mm. you can train anybody to do all sorts of things, but there's a natural thing in people that can really fight. And there's a natural thing in great actors that is just there. And I think that's what you're describing. You're describing the transition from one form of expression to another form of expression. It's almost like falling in love twice in your life. I'd say you've been very lucky because in the, you found something you're naturally good at and worked your heart yeah. off to to achieve and then found something else that just seems so far away from that,
2: but you've done the same thing again. Yeah, it's fi- find something you love, isn't it? And they say, find something you love and you never work a day. Yeah. And it was yeah. absolutely, Thai boxing was my passion and my love, and it took over to the detriment of many things in my... because that was an addiction, and obsession, and I put everything in absolutely. and got out of it. And then, I guess similarly with acting, you know, yeah. Yeah. I put everything in, put that first, put, again, to the detriment of family and relationships. So do you have a
1: hot salty bath every morning before you go to work at the morning, or No, because I don't just, need to make you weight don't anymore. don't need to make it no. anymore, do you? No. <laughs> so I think that's... Uh, yeah,
0: but no, there's been three great, words, yeah. three great words. Three great words and a great progression. And also a, a great way of seeing life. I love, I love that idea that the world's out there to help you. It's a yeah. great, great way of. Great I don't, don't know.
1: I don't know how long you could sustain that thought. Though. <laughs> Not in my life. I mean, I could probably. I like the idea of it, but I think the next phone call I get, I'll probably be disabused. By yeah, yeah. It, well, by it's, that. It's,
0: it's all down to interpretation, it Tony. It is. So, what? We get people on and we ask them for their three words that matter to them, and then we ask them for one word that they would gladly never hear again. What's yours? Yeah.
2: Can I just say as well? With this, you think it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Just bring three words. Yeah, mate. This week of going, right, these are my words, and then, oh, sh- no, let's change this. So and I guess, yeah. ag- again, you're thinking, oh, well, I need, what are people going to think of me? What? And it's like, again, this imposter thing, but actually going, you know what, this is me, only be you. My word that I don't want to hear again. And got- well, you're not going <laughs> to like this because I don't. Go on. Right. Well, it, it needs to, all right, I'm going to dogs. Dogs? Now, but listen, not all dogs. 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 Wait, yeah. wait. Yeah. You mean so- you don't want to hear the word or you don't like dogs? Well, I love dogs, Right. But I had I had two different words that I was rumming and iron about this and then I, I don't <laughs> <laughs> And then I spoke to my mum the other day and uh it's because of my mum. So basically the story goes, My mum's always had dogs, we've always had dogs grow up, love dogs. Mum had a dog quite a few years ago, it died, she was heartbroken. Never getting a dog again, never getting a dog again. Then she says, Oh, I want to get a dog again. I said, oh, All right, she's she's upset. I said, Right. <laughs> I'll get you a dog, Mum. She went, you sure? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll get you a dog. She went, right, well, I want one of these French bulldogs. I'm like, all right. What are the blue ones? I'm like, all right. Mm. With the blue hat, I'm like, all right. all right. So obviously the price. But I'm like, listen, if it's going to make you happy, Mum, I'll get you this dog. So I gave her the money to get this dog, not cheap. Next minute, I get a picture of my mum holding two dogs. I'm like, Mum, what, what's, what's going on here? She went, well, because we saved the money, because you give us the money, we didn't want to leave his brother on his own. So <laughs> we bought two I'm like, all right, brilliant, great stuff. Really early doors, one of them is, like, not well, a lot. (laughs) She's, like, they're spending loads of money on it. it has got loads of stuff wrong with it. His immune system, this, that, and the other. One of them's fine. A few years later, the one that you would have assumed has had loads of problems, absolutely fine. The one that had nothing wrong with it, bang, dies. Bang, dies. My mum's devastated. I'm like, oh, God, God.
3: Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalogue. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500 500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to five zero zero five zero zero.
2: A couple of weeks later, I got a little a video and there's another little tiny blue thing running around in the house. I'm like, Mum, what's 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 going on here? She went, Well, he was lonely. So, and she went, But don't worry, we didn't get. It wasn't a pedigree. This one was only nine hundred quid. I'm like, yeah. Why didn't only we get? Why, why quid? didn't we get a nine hundred quid one in the in first yeah. place? For
0: about four. Only
2: ne- <laughs> mate, dog zones. Dog zones. Listen, I've never yeah. got a dog that's not from a dog zone. So she's got this tiny one now, and then the other one. She was like, Well, he was sad. He missed his brother. I'm like, Obviously. <laughs> now here's the thing, brothers. They're going to get on. Like. <laughs> So the little one, when it's kind of growing up, lives downstairs. Up, uh, sleeps downstairs. She takes the big one up to bed. Now, she's never ever changed that. I happened to be up north when lockdown kicked in, and I spent three months with my mum. And the dogs now. Now the little ones a bit older now, but dogs are not stupid. That little dog knows that the big dog goes upstairs at night. So he's. Oh, hang on! What's going on here? And it would often just kick off, and my mum was like, well, that's you, that, because there's another man in the house. And, like, trying to blame me, I'm like, okay. Then I would leave, i I and throw him over Christmas, and it happened a little bit. Now I'm not there. Now she's got two dogs that she has to split up. So she'll spend... An hour in one room with one, an hour in the other room. like, it's absolutely... Think, I'm not sure the it's the dog's... No, it's mum. <laughs> your mum's... Well,
1: there's, two, there's two issues. One's your, your tightness, <laughs> and the other one is your mum's inability to to, to train dogs properly. Well, that,
2: she's just never... And I'm like, mum, it's, it's all my mum's fault. You can't do that to a dog. The dog's not stupid. Maybe no. I should have chose mum then but I love my mum you can't pick I love mum. Me, no you can't I love my mum but anytime she goes oh and the dog and I go well I, I, I can't I can't talk to you cause yeah. so the uh, lesson of
0: that is to go to a dog's home you won't get dogs that have, have been overbred and and if there's yeah. something wrong you can phone the dog's <laughs> oh, home oh just change bloody them dogs hang
1: on a minute what you said if there's something wrong what you can just you send know, them back
0: no 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 you can talk to the dog's home can't you, you, can, you yeah. there's a ways of dealing yeah. with them because just like try, I train never
2: she used to watch that but it was <laughs> it yeah, dog whisper Yes, that season the yeah, dog yeah. whisperer got oh, Yeah, but he, d-
0: he didn't have one of them dogs. No, he didn't. But
2: he would say he would, you know, the, the fundamentals <laughs> are like you know, just train your dog. Yes. Don't yeah, don't Max go mad when you him. first come in. Always yeah. oh, brilliant, him, isn't he? Then the thing goes off, and she would never listen to anything that yeah. she watches this show <laughs> religiously.
1: So essentially, it's your mum. Really. And the dogs are,
0: are the... barn pops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warren, three great words. I think your mum's got to go berserk with you, hears yeah. this. But apart from that, I will tell me, mum. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Listen, what a fantastic story and also an an inspiration to so many people because there are so many people on the outside who don't think they can ever get on the inside. And to be on the inside, the route that you've done it, is is a brilliant example to people. So, so ah, thanks for coming yeah. in. Cheers, fellas, thanks
1: While you're here, I just want to echo that really because I think you've been dedicated and worked hard and got to, and I think you deserve what you've got. Cheers, Tom. You're very welcome, man. Do
0: you want to buy a dog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Warren I knew I'd like Warren anyway even though I forgot playing football against him I knew I'd like him uh, and I like him even more because he gave you a dead leg he did
1: did give me a dead leg uh, that thing about him being a, a world champion kickboxer I didn't find that out until at least three four years after meeting him and he didn't tell me yeah, somebody else told me he's one of those. Whereas if I'd have been a world Oof, champion, mate, I'd have had it tattooed on my face. I'd still be wearing <laughs> it. <laughs> I'd
0: be walking around <laughs> as a Thai boxer, yeah. introducing myself yeah. to people, going, "Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't like yeah. to mention Johnny it." Johnny Thai Beach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please, raise and subscribe. Do whatever you do, but uh, just listen to the podcast more.
1: This podcast was brought to you by our partner Quorn. Super protein,
0: super tasty.
4: In 2001, less than a month after the 9-11 attacks, the U.S. and allied forces invaded Afghanistan. The goal was simple. Hunt down al-Qaeda and its leader, Osama bin Laden, and unseat the Taliban government that sheltered him. But even though the Taliban was quickly removed, negotiating an end to the war turned out to be a much bigger challenge. Despite some of the world's best negotiators working tirelessly for peace, all sides were never able to come to a negotiated agreement. And in 2021, 20 years after being ousted from power, the Taliban took back control of Afghanistan. So why did some of the world's smartest and most experienced negotiators fail for 20 years to mediate a peace deal in Afghanistan? The Afghan Impasse, a special seven-episode edition of The Negotiators, a podcast from Doha Debates and Foreign Policy, looks back on the players, politics, and strategies that contributed to one of the biggest failures in modern peace negotiations. You can listen to The Negotiators, The Afghan Impasse, exclusively on Wondery+. Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.